0: Next week, we'll be celebrating five years, as you know. Um, Why do we celebrate? Why why do we celebrate? Don't we celebrate um, human birthday parties? You know, there's something about celebrating life. There's something about celebrating something that is living. And the church is living. The church is alive and well here in the Middle East. It is thriving. And so next weekend, we will be celebrating and honoring God for His faithfulness. But the weekend after that, we actually being flown in. My parents planted a church about 20 years ago. And they planted in uh, South Africa in the capital city. And 3CI will be celebrating 20 years of life. 20 years of God making an impact in their nation through that church. And that is why we celebrate. And so next week we are going to have decorations and we're going to have cake and we're going to have an incredible speaker and, and gifts and all sorts of things. And uh, come out for that. I encourage you to invite friends. It's going to be powerful and impacting. Brian Houston says this, if you have a heart for God, you have a heart for His church. And there is a sense of we are in this together. The church is an immovable force, reaching, teaching, helping, feeding, loving, and impacting lives around the world. It's a place of fellowship, relationship, and community. It's a place where lives are changed. Nothing... And no one can stop the church. I'm just gonna use this find that little bit. Thank you. Matthew sixteen, verse eighteen, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I received a very simple message. I was going for a run about three nights ago, and God as I was running on the path, God just kept saying, From faithfulness to fruitfulness. Faithfulness to fruitfulness, and I, I came home. I said, "Dan, I just got this phrase." He says, "That's the word you're preaching." And I'm like, "Well, I've got the, I've got the title. I don't have the word, but God has downloaded this very, very simple word into my heart. What is faithfulness? It's full of faith. It's committed. It's loyal. It's dedicated. I just want to honor the people that have come and built the church with us. And we know that it's not just people. And we thank God that He builds His church." But we partner with him. And we want to thank you for those of you who have started with us from the beginning. And even if you've been added six months ago, you have all been used to build the church and make the church shine and make this church this immovable force. And we want to thank you for laboring with us. From the kids' ministry, when I I put my head in with the two rooms, the hours that they put in, the hours that the worship team have put in, the hours that the staff have put in, But I just want to thank you for laboring with us. Because you know what Galatians says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. The translation says reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the family of faith. We need to be doing good to our family of faith. We need to be doing life together with the family of faith. 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There has been years of sowing, and now we're entering a season of fruitfulness. And I'm bringing a simple message. I've said that before. But I'm going to be reading lots of Scripture over you. And I'm not going to apologize for reading Scripture over you because it's God's words of life over you. Romans 10 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. Everything is received by faith. Our salvation is received by faith. Righteousness received by faith. Healing received by faith. And the Word today as I speak on fruitfulness, that you receive the word of fruitfulness over your life today. Let's read out of our main text today, John 15. Fruitfulness is the result of faithfulness. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Do you know that you have a God appointment on your life? A God appointment on each of your lives. What am I meant to do with my life? What what is my purpose in God? Well, God has said that he has appointed you to bear fruit. That is the God-given appointment on your life in verse sixteen genesis one twenty seven so God created human beings in his own image in the image of God He created them male and female. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, so right in the beginning when God breathes his life into our bodies, and gives us life, the very first words he speaks to us is be fruitful and multiply, govern and rule. And so there is a God appointment on your life to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Colossians 1.10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Psalm 1.3, the righteous are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. God, if you look at Scripture, and you look at the men and women of God in Scripture, and you look at their lives, and you see God blessed Abraham. God blessed Joseph. God blessed Job. In Joseph, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and his field. Abraham, Abraham was now a very old man and the Lord had blessed him in every way. God doesn't do a half job. When he says he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you in every way, in each season. Job was blessed in the second half of his life. It says that God gave him double what God had given him in in the earlier part of his life. Now of course there's a backstory to each one of these men and women who walked with God and they did much endurance and much perseverance and radical sacrifice and much hardship and radical obedience, but there was also blessing that came from it. Fruitfulness is as a result of faithfulness. So this is supernatural. How, do you be, how are you blessed in everything? Only God can bless you in everything. How are you prosperous in all that you do? How do you produce fruit in each season? By staying connected to the vine. By staying connected to Jesus. Verse 4 and 5 says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. I am going to just thank God for making it so simple for us. We are the branches. He is the vine. And if you remain in me and I, you will bear fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's look at what a branch looks like. A branch does not bear fruit. It is impossible for this branch to bear fruit. It's not connected to anything. So if you're not connected to Jesus, you will not bear fruit in your life. It may look like you've got fruit, but when we come up close, it's going to be sour. It's going to be bitter. Real fruit, long-lasting fruit, comes from being connected to Jesus. Pruning. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. So pruning means to cut away dead branches to encourage growth. God prunes you so that you can bear more fruit. Do you know that fruit trees don't produce fruit for themselves? The orange tree doesn't produce oranges so that it can enjoy its own oranges. It produces fruit for others. And that is why we are called and appointed to produce fruit so that others can come close to us and enjoy the benefits of the fruit of your life to glorify God. So what does the fruit of your life taste like? When people come near to you, is it just like, I don't know if she looks good, but the conversation's a bit bitter. There's something sour about her attitude. The fruit of her life is not connected to the vine. And I personally hate sour fruits. I get very irritated when I, when I taste delicious fruit that I've paid a fortune for and then it just does not deliver. But Jesus also takes it seriously when trees are not producing fruit. In Mark, he, he curses the fig tree. He was on a ministry trip. He was hungry. He's walking. He sees a fig tree. He's looking for the fruit. He can't see one fig on this fruit tree. So the disciples heard him say, you may never bear fruit again. May no one ever eat from you again, is what he said. So they go on the ministry trip, they come back and they walk, and then the disciples see this fruit tree, this fig tree. They say, teacher, look what your words did to this fig tree. It's withered from the roots up. It's completely dead. But God's words to us has been that you will be fruitful and you will multiply. And so what we do is we take God's words and we speak that over our lives because we're partnering with God's words and his power and his breath over our lives. And we speak it over our financial situation. And we speak it over our minds and over our hearts and over our physical bodies. And we speak it over the prophetic words that he's spoken over us. And we know that God, if God's power can can do that to a tree, God's power, when we agree with his word, can bring things to life. You can't produce fruit unless you're connected to the vine and unless that vine is planted into the ground. Psalm 92, verse 13 to 15. The righteous will flourish like the date palm. Let's look at the date palm. The righteous will flourish like the date palm, long-lived, upright, and useful, I want God to think that I'm useful, that I'm useful to Him. That in the morning, when I wait, God, again this morning, every day of my life, I surrender my life in you God, I surrender. My whole life is a sacrifice. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I surrender afresh. Because what happens is that God promises that we will flourish like a date palm, long-lived, upright, and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, the cedar. It's majestic and stable. I want to be a stable person. Unstable people stress me out. That's why I've married Dan. He's a stable, consistent man. I know what I'm getting when I wake up in the morning, stable. God says that we will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace. They will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. They will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment. Flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy, vigorous way, especially in the result of a particular congenial environment. We need a good, healthy environment in which to plant ourselves, in which to get nutrients, in which to grow and be these strong, useful, majestic trees. So what do we have to do to thrive and bear fruit in our old age? We need to be planted. Scattering is a haphazard it's just just laying seeds wherever you want, but when there's a planting, it means that the planter was very intentional about where he wanted to plant you. A seed, let's look at a seed. A seed represents potential. and it will stay a seed unless we plant it. And Dan and I see so many seeds of potential. I mean we talk, that's most of our conversation is, oh my gosh, have you seen the seed of potential in that person? If they only planted themselves, they would grow into that. In fact, sometimes we don't even know what we grow into when we plant that seed. I've been listening to Tommy Barnett, and at 56 years old, someone said to him, I want you to take over a church in Los Angeles. And he said, you know what? I'm old. I'm tired. I've had a great life. I've led some great, great churches. And uh, he just didn't want to do it. He was 56. I'm tired. And a, a pastor came to him and encouraged him and said, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. So he said, okay, fine. I'll do it. He moved to Los Angeles at 56, planted the seed with a handful of people in Los Angeles. And it is now called the Dream Center. You can Google it. 15 floors high feeding 700 people are living there currently they are picking up people off the streets from human trafficking he's now in his 80s thriving thousands of people in his church and he had no idea and the people called it the dream center from the people on the streets he didn't even call it the dream center the people off the streets started calling it the dream center because they said this is a place where our dreams come to life we get off our addictions god's presence is in that place so when we take a seed and when we plant it, we don't even know the potential. We can only glimpse of the potential that's inside of you. It's exciting to see that we are entering a season of fruitfulness where those that have planted are going to flourish. Matthew 13, verse 3, 8. What do you make of this? A farmer planted a seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some fell on the gravel. It sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds as it came up. It was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. And so that is obvious that where you plant yourself and where the seed falls in your heart is that it can either produce a harvest beyond your wildest dreams or it can be snatched away by the cares and the temptations of this world. So, number one, being planted in the house, in God's house, connects you to God's plan. God doesn't bury you to forget about you. He plants you so that you can grow. There's a plan for you and there's a place for you that always goes hand in hand. We're not spiritual nomads. And that's what's sometimes tough about committing to be planted somewhere is that it means that you actually have to be consistent and committed. We're not spiritual nomads wandering around because do you know what happens When you wonder, you begin to wonder. When you wonder, you wonder, what is my plan? What is my purpose? You wonder in and out. I don't know if I like the leadership. Oh, I don't know if I'm just checking this place out. You just start to wonder. When you plant yourself, you have a place and you have a plan, and God's purpose is revealed to you. And if there was anyone who could have been a solo act in this world, it was Jesus. He was fully God, fully man. Yet he planted himself in a family and with his disciples and chose to do life together in community. Genesis 2.8, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So first he forms a place for you. Then he created Adam and Eve, and he put Adam and Eve in that place. So right in the beginning, this was God's plan put Adam and Eve in this this place to carry out their purpose and their calling of being fruitful, of multiplying. And that's a place where God allowed them to be on mission together, to have a place to worship together, and have a place to be in relationship together. And God will always call you to plant you in a place where you can have mission, relationship, and worship Him. 1 Corinthians 12:18. but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He's decided where you are to be planted. And there is no way that I would be who I am today if my parents hadn't planted me in the church. Now I still grew up, left school, left home, and decided myself to plant myself in a church. And I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't made that decision. The church has taught me to sort out relational issues. You can't just run away from family. It's not something that you can learn as you look at sermons online while you're lying in bed. When you come to church, there's people. You learn to serve along one another. You learn to sort out things. I've learned to be generous in the church because of the church. I've learned to share I've learned to serve. I've learned to be selfless. And I ask myself, what kind of a person would I be if I didn't go to church? And it always comes back to the same thing. I would be selfish. My weekend, my money, my husband, my family, my time, my car, my life. Don't tell me what to do. But because I was planted in the church and I'm with people, you know that when you join a church, it's not about you anymore? I just get a picture of that emoticon with that. What did I just say? When you join a church, it's not about you anymore. You live for the benefit of others every day. We wake up and we think, how can we think of you? We think of the church. We think of what does God want us to do. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to think of you. We love it. You know what happens when you plant yourself in a church? Is you will get to live a bigger life than you ever dreamed and you ever hoped for. Your destiny is tied to who God calls you to walk with. Number two, being planted in God's house connects you to God's protection. So it connects you to God's plan, and it connects you to God's protection. A palm tree, if we look at a palm tree, it can go through all the different seasons. It survives in dry climates, in winters, through storms. Do you know that it's one of the strongest trees because it can bend during a storm, and because it's planted, it can return slowly back to its original shape and size. It doesn't get taken out. And so do you know that even after the storm, that palm tree is stronger than before the storm? And so when you're walking through the storms of life, do that within the family, within the community. We could tell you so many stories, which we may do next week, of the people that we've walked alongside and encouraged and seen them go through the storms, but seen them become stronger because of it. The church has taught me to be resilient, to get, things, to get over things quickly. You return to your original shape and size, being resilient. You know, sometimes you look at people and say, I haven't seen you in a while. And they say, no, I'm just going through something. And I'm like, well, you're going through something away from the church, aside from the church, apart from the church. We can do this with you. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting to see who he's going to devour. Devour. So if you are isolated, you're going to be annihilated. I'm pretty sure that the enemy is not going to come for a pack of warriors. He's going to come for the person that's, that's on his own. Walk together. We're here for you. Dubai is a very transient city. I was, I was speaking to Henrik earlier. It's like sometimes I feel like the church is a, is a waiting room at the airport, you know, and I'm running to this person and saying, can you help here? And they're saying, well, I'm just going on holiday. I'm just flying off to holiday. And then I say, oh, can I come here? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this church is mine yet. So I'm just... And then I'm like running to this person. I'm going on a business trip. And it's like, oh, my gosh. I'd love to know which other pastors in the world face this issue in Dubai where everyone is flying out here and there. And uh, um, we just need to remember that, that we need to plant ourselves, that we need to, you know, not be just excuse ourselves that this is how dubai is but when we are here in dubai when we are here on the weekend that we prioritize the church because together the church is stronger together the church reaches further do you know that a tree can be transplanted you know some people come to dubai and they come to city well we don't know how long we're going to be here you know we might go back to our home country but i'm not sure okay fine We'll plant yourself while you're here and then they, oh, I might, you know. And then a year goes by, and then two years, and then three years. I'm like, you're still here. And you haven't planted yourself. A tree can be transplanted. So plant yourself. Let the roots go deep. And then God will move you to bear fruit somewhere else. If you look at the roots of a tree, these roots aren't going anywhere. This tree is not going anywhere. There's going to be a storm that comes. Pretty sure that tree is stuck there, it doesn't just wander around. And our roots need to go deep, deep in. If a tree didn't have deep roots, then as it grows taller, it would become top-heavy and would fall in strong wind. Number three, being planted connects you to God's provision. So it connects you to God's plan, and it connects you to God's provision. Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. It's amazing when you leave your family behind and follow God. He not only blesses you, but he blesses nations through you. God will always call you to leave something behind to follow him. He says, Pick up your cross and follow me. You know, when we first moved up to Dubai, Dan was here earlier. And um, I'm, we've got a very close family. And some of you know I'm very close to my brother. And for the first six years of his life, we did everything together everything. We were besties. And he, I mean, he slept in my room. Um, I took him to school. I was at every sports game. My parents would travel. They were ministering, so they would do a lot of traveling. And I would be, we would just do everything together. And so when I had to leave him, because God was calling me to the Middle East, I didn't even know what it would look like. I didn't know. But I knew in my heart that this must be God for me to leave my family. And when I, when I got here, the pain was so strong in my heart for leaving my brother that for the first two years of my life, I couldn't put any photos of him up on my wall. And the first year, I was like, what have I done? This place is ugly, the desert, the sand, the, all of that. And Dan just didn't know how to comfort me. But it was just like I was in worship time and um, we had Anna and Ellie Smith in our ladies conference and her husband wrote a song that I was singing in worship the one time and he said, what a friend I found closer than a brother. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment and said, I need to be closer to you than your brother. I said, of course. And that ache and that sting that was carrying in my heart was supernaturally healed. It was gone. And I'm so thankful that Nine years down the line, whatever, he's, he's now 16. I, yes, I miss, he's just been nominated as first team cricket captain. I'm missing out on his games. I'm missing out on his life. But if you had to ask him, he came here for a month and spent a holiday with him. If you have to ask him, what do you want to do when you finish school? His answer to them will be, I want to help build the church with Dan and Stalin. And I'm so thankful that I obeyed the call of God. And there are people here that may not have left behind little brothers, but you've left behind grandmothers, you've left behind your parents, and you hate the fact that your parents can't see your little children grow up. It's painful to you. It's painful that you have babies that they aren't able to look after. But God promises you that there will be a blessing and an abundant blessing on your life as you step out in obedience into that foreign land. And you can speak that over your life. God, when when you call me, you're going to bless me. Because, yes, there's going to be painful times, but there are going to be fruitful times. Maria, if you can come and play some piano for us. Genesis 26, I want you to, to hear this. There was a severe famine in the land. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land. And I will be with you, and I will bless you. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. Do you understand that there can be a severe famine around you, but because God has spoken a word into your heart to plant yourself in a foreign land, that while there's a severe famine around you, you can reap a hundredfold of blessing god has called us to bear fruit for his glory and he's called this church to bear fruit for his glory you know after after a year a child grows taller it's obvious but after you've been planted you will grow spiritually we were meeting with a couple this week for dinner and they said they just loved carl carl's testimony They're like, wow, he's grown. Because we all used to be in the same community group. Wow, he's grown so much. And I'm like, of course he has. They've been planted. They've planted themselves. Their roots go deep. They're going to grow spiritually. And unfortunately, it was the storms of life that caused him to grow spiritually and stand here and share his testimony with us. I don't know how long your arms are, but together... We are part of a church that can reach further. We have visited Kathmandu. We have visited Sri Lanka. We've started an orphanage in Kenya. I received such a beautiful email from Neryl and Allison in Sri Lanka with the children's home. They are so thankful to this church. Do you know that this church has built them a new home, decorated new rooms? We feed the children monthly. We're standing with them to believe for bigger land for bigger things. They say they can't do it without us. And Kenya will tell you the same. We've sent teams of people there to these different nations. And it's going to continue. Can you imagine where we're going to be in the next 5 years? 5 years from now, we're going to be like we were just this 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 faithful people in a warehouse. But now we have our own conference room. But now we have our own conference center. In the beginning of this year, I started asking God, God, I want to believe what is the biggest thing that you can do through me. What is the biggest thing that you can do through this church? Is it an arrogant prayer? I know it's a pure hearted prayer. I know it's a bold prayer. I know that God doesn't like perfect prayers, but he loves prayers from the heart. And I wish that we could tell you of some of the amazing things that have happened this week but it is miraculous, absolutely miraculous what God has poured into this church and what He continues to do. Are you excited for the next five years? I think we just need to take some time to to connect ourselves to the vine, to connect ourselves to Jesus, cut off those branches that aren't bearing fruit, and to decide to plant ourselves.